Good morning, brothers and sisters, and I cannot be kind enough if you are very kind to me. The very first time I came here, I had no voice. <laughs> and so for, for you to call me by, <laughs> I'm like, what are they thinking? But uh, here I am, and everything is in God's hands. I begin with the reading of our text today, which is from 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. It reads, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Let us pray. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, you say, if anyone who come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever who lose, for whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him will I with the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Lord, you said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We pray to hear your words, for they are spirit and life. Amen. One of my professors once argued that the most important question a person can ask is, who am I? The conditions of the recent years compel us to ask, who am I? Who are we as Christians? And where do we look to answer such an important question? 
I am most grateful always, brothers and sisters, to share my long-kept meditations, which I had at the height of COVID. You must have had meditations as well in this troubling time. I was frightened by news report of loved ones being separated from their dying family members. Family were prevented from burying their, their loved ones. Husbands couldn't bury their wives, neither could wives bury their husbands due to COVID restrictions. Grandfathers could not see their grandchildren. Even most choking was the closing of churches. I found this to be the most suffocating because we are created to worship the Lord our God. So when worship was hindered, I said, what else could have gone on wrong? That was when this text today had the most profound impact on me. I thought our conditions on a COVID were so bad that we could face many temptations and engage desperate measures. A passage which helped me to understand our passage today is Matthew 15, starting from verses 10 through 20. It says, he, the Lord, he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that, dis that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came to him and said, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly father had not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guys. And if the blind leave the blind, both will fall into the pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth? proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thought, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defiles a person, but to eat with unclean hand does not defile anyone. By far the best exposition I heard in this passage was by one Dr. Harris, Ron Harris. In his lectures on biblical counseling, Dr. Harris uses a sponge to demonstrate the significance of the external versus the internal. He says a sponge lays on a table 
and no one knows what is in the sponge. But when the sponge was squeezed, foam came out of it. He then asked, what is an important question here? Is it that the sponge was squeezed or is it that foam came out of it? I thought I immediately knew the question, the answer. I said to myself, piece of cake. It must be that the sponge was squeezed. For if the sponge was not squeezed, the foam would not have come out of it. In fact, no one would have known what was in the sponge. But I was wrong. I had no biblical support. According to the passage I just read, our Lord says it is not what goes into the mouth that defile us, but what comes out of our mouth. This is important to Christians if the word of God abides in us. In other words, we are not defiled by trials and tribulations. We suffer sicknesses, deaths, separation from family memory, job losses, church closures, but these do not defile us. By this passage, our law is comforting us that the external conditions do not defile us. With that background, today's passage, John says in verse 12, I am writing to you, little children. By little children, John means all ages. As a spiritual father, John calls all old and young children. Children is John's way of expressing love and endearment. Dr. J. Vernon McGee says, this epistle has been called the Sanctum Sanctorium of the New Testament. It takes a child of God across the threshold into the fellowship of the Father's home. It is the family epistle. John is writing here to the family of God. Verse 12, it continues. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name. This verse must be interpreted in light of the very first two verses of this Bible, uh, of this book. We shall first John 2, 1 and 2. They read, my little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. These two verses tell us John's purpose of writing this whole epistle. His first purpose 
is that those he calls little children do not sin. The most hate sin, resisting at all costs, kill. His second purpose is, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. John knows we are not perfect, sinless beings. In Psalm 32, Psalm 32, 1 and 2 is written, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Verse 13, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I am writing you, children, because you know the Father. Here, John addresses three people groups, fathers, young men, and children. About these three groups, Calvin writes, they're all for the most part excuse themselves because they exceeded the age of learning. Children refuse to learn as they are not yet old enough. Men of middle age do not attend because they are occupied with other pursuits. Less than anyone should examine themselves John accommodates the whole gospel to all of us. Let's look at the very first group. First, John addresses the father. He said, fathers, I am writing you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Now, what's the significance of knowing who is from the beginning? Or who is from the beginning? Christ. Is from, the, is from the beginning. It is written in John 1, 1 through 3. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with the Father. So it's Christ who was in the beginning. Second, John addresses young men I am writing you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. Now, verse 14 says the cause of young men overcoming the evil one, as we will see very shortly. The third group, John addresses children. He said, I write to you, children, because you know the Father. Now, why is it important to know the Father? And this is the reason. To know the Father is the very definition of eternal life. For Christ saying to his Father, you have given me authority over all flesh. And to give eternal life to all whom you have given me. 
And this is eternal life, that they know you. Again, I repeat, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is in John 17, three, uh, 2 to 3. Verse 14. It is important to note here that verse 14 shares a lot of words with verse 13. For example, verse four, uh, 13 begins with, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. In the same way, verse 14 says, I write to you, Father, because you know him who is from the beginning. Back to verse 13, I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And to back to verse 14 also, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Almost identical words. However, verse 14 says the reason believers have come overcome the devil or the evil one. And the reason is the word of God abides in believers. I am writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. Who has overcome the evil one? It is Christ. You, believers in Christ, have overcome the evil one. This is why Romans 8, 17 says, we are more than conquerors in him who loves us. Excuse me. This is very important. We cannot miss this. We are mere mortal people. As Calvin puts it, there is nothing in us but what is frail and fading, except the power of Christ that dwell in us. We are like orphans until we attain the grace of adoption by the gospel. In other words, only the word of God that abides in us has empowered us to overcome the evil one. Now, my next attempt is to explore how our Lord used the word when he was tempted by the devil. And my reason is simply this. The Apostle Paul called us to imitate Christ. Also, 1 John 2, 6 says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk as in the same way in which he walked. So then the question is, what did our Lord do when the devil tempted him? What did he, how did he, or with what he defeated him? What came out of the mouth of our Lord when the devil tempted him was the word? We must learn that if we are to truly imitate Christ. 
So let us look to Matthew 4, beginning with verse 3. It reads, And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command the stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is from Deuteronomy 8.3. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the holy city and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. From For it is written, he will command the angels concerning you and on the other hand they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against the stone psalm 91 but jesus said to him again it is written you shall not put the law your god to the test deuteronomy 8 uh, deuteronomy 6 16 again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdom of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Deuteronomy 6, 13. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and served and were ministering to him. Matthew 4, 11. I was recently tempted myself. My aunt had just lost her, her only son months ago. And I is a uh, wake keeping ceremony or services. Very nice things were said about her son. Taken by the outpouring of tributes to her son, my aunt called to the praise and worship leader and said, raise a song and let us worship my son. The praise and worship leader, a young woman, I believe had no biblical training, raised a son, and had all in attendance following her. My heart practically boiling me. I quickly went over to, the, uh, to a former elder of my church. He and his wife had traveled all the way from Tennessee for this barrier. And I said to him, my aunt said something unsettling, worship her son. So I'm almost walking out of here. He said to me, Nathaniel, give all the benefit of the doubt. So I returned to my seat, but I remained deeply troubled. So I went over to the preacher at the time, who happened to be the son-in-law of my aunt, and I said to him, 
my aunt Miss Pope, when she called on the worship leader for us to worship her son, please let all in attendance know that it is a mistake. Only God is worship. The preacher, having to be the son-in-law of my aunt Infai, he prefaced his sermon by saying, my mother-in-law would never say anything like that. Only God is worship. He said, amen. And the whole body at the uh, wake keepings responded with an enthusiastic amen. Isaiah, uh, Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you, that you shall be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget your children. We are going through a difficult time, an unusual, strange time. We are experiencing unimaginable situation. For many, it was the closing of churches. For others, it was separating from dying family members due to COVID restrictions. For some, it was rescheduling, rescheduling of their weddings or complete cancellation. For a father in my church a few years ago, it was that his daughter could not go to her senior prom and ultimately the canceling of graduation all across the country. Men of parents suffer the same fate. The good father used the word of God and he poured his heart out during the prayer meeting. He said, you have a plan for my daughter. And he was quoting Jeremiah 29, 11, which reads, for I know the plan I have for you, declares the Lord, plan for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Here is another example. John Piper used in his sermon entitled, Killing Sin with the Word of God. Piper tells of his, of his church missionary facing deportation from the African nation of Tanzania. He said one of the missionary wives compared their situation to the disciples after the death of Jesus and before the resurrection. She said they are sitting on quietly and numbly at somebody's house and they didn't know about the resurrection that is to come. That is that is what this time feels like to us in many ways. 
darkness, and an unknown future. Out of the blue, we are packing and leaving the country, our home for the last seven years, the only home our children have known. Then the missionary wife fought back with the words of God. She says, we are clinging to the truth. We are clinging to this truth. God is good. He is in control. He loves us more than we can comprehend. And he has plans to give us hope and future. Plans to prosper us according to Jeremiah 29, 11 again. She continues, our spirits are understandably low. We are emotionally and physically exhausted, but because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassion never fail. They are new every morning. Brothers and sisters, here is the question. What is going to come out of us as we go through these difficult times? What will be our response? Not just in these times, but in others. What will we say or do when we experience the squeezes or the pressure of life? Let us use the word that dwell in us. For if, for if we use the words of the Lord that dwell in us, if we cling to them and use them, these words that abide in us, then we are strong. In John 7, 37 to 39, we learn what on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said without the, about the spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive. For as yet, the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But brothers and sisters, the Pentecost has come and the Lord our God has poured, he has poured his spirit on us. Our Lord says in Matthew 7, Everyone, then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the flood came and the wind blew and beat against the house, but it did not fall because it has been built or it has been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine 
and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the flood came and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. As Christians, we should be very happy when we see ourselves and our brothers and sisters come to church to be taught of God, to hear the word of God preached. It is written in Romans, 7, uh, Romans 10 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they be how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they were unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So brothers and sisters, let us constantly pray for ourselves and our fellow believers and newcomers to come to the church and stay in the church for there the Lord has sent preachers to teach his word. As Christians, we are strong without a doubt. However, we are not without weaknesses. We have weaknesses. Even more importantly, we do not just acknowledge our weaknesses. We boast in our weaknesses. We imitate the apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, he writes, On my own behalf, I do not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. For I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think of me more than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from boasting or becoming conceited, a tongue was given me in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three tongues, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness or in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ rests upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I contend, or I am content 
with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It is important that we boast of our weaknesses, not only because our weaknesses are real, but so that we also resist the wires of prosperity gospel. The temptation of prosperity gospel is life is by bread alone and all others are not the gospel. Prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel who have us do, yes, have us deceive, that everything must go well with us if we are Christians. This is not the spirit of Romans 8.28. When trials and tribulations come our way, prosperity gospel will deceive us. It is not God's ways and doing. Yes, it is written. He does not afflate from his heart or grieve the children of men. Lamentation 3.33. But it is equally written, it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.31. It's also written, the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises the son he receives. Hebrews 12.6. Therefore, let us not be led to believe that we are too strong to experience suffering. Remember the rich young ruler, Matthew 19. Remember the parable of the rich fool, Luke 12. Remember the man born blind from birth, assuming that the man's blindness was due to sin, the disciple asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Our Lord answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed through him. Luke 9, 1 through 3. There are weaknesses in the world Weaknesses introduced by the fall. Christians are not exempted from these weaknesses. Prosperity gospel does a poor job. Yes, does harm. When the promises Christians a life of bread and butter alone. But we know life is not by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Prosperity gospel does not emphasize the preaching of Christ and him crucified or his curse enough. It does not emphasize the cost of, of discipleship. Excuse me. We must remember 
the cause of discipleship or the cause of the disciples for their discipleship. And among human writers, we must remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Let us be watchful of the wires of this different gospel. The true gospel is when we are weak, then we are strong. Brothers and sisters, the Christian wealth and power is the love of God. To know the love of Christ, to know it by the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the Christian wealth and power is peculiar. It is transcendent, extraordinary, supernatural. It is generated by the Holy Spirit. It is built on Christ. It is the glory of God. It is what empowered the Apostle Paul to count everything down. It tells us do not fear. What do him fear? Death. But the apostle tells us or teaches that to die is to be with Christ. What does ordinary human fear? Losses of property. But the book of Hebrews celebrates the believers who joyfully accepted the plundering of their property because they had a better possession and abiding one. When they have done the will of God, they may get what God promised. It is God who gave us power to get wealth. Deuteronomy 8, 18. Brothers and sisters, God is with us. Therefore, in spite of our weaknesses, power and victory belong to us because Emmanuel is with us. This is our distinct identity. We must know that we are strong because the word of God dwells or abides in us. We have overcome the evil one because the word of God abides in us. This is the apostle John's message in this gospel and to us this morning. It is important that we don't lose sight of the word of God that dwells in us in times of trials and tribulations. We must remember that we are strong because the word of God abides in us. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are strong. We are strong against COVID. We are strong against all forms of external ills. We are built on Christ. He fights for us. He fights for our eternal life. We must cling to the word of God. No temptation has overtaken you 
that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way to escape or the way of escape that you may abide or that you may be able to endure it. We must love God. We must keep his commandments. His commandments are not burdensome. We must resist sin. We must resist being defiled. But we are not perfect. We are being perfected. Therefore, if we sin, we must not lose hope or be or become discouraged. We must not say, he who is down fears no fall. No, we are never down. We may fall and we will fall, but we are never down for we are in Christ. We must not sing that grace may abound. A child of God is not a habitual sinner. But if we were to sin, we have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Our overall battle is against the devil. Christ has already defeated him for us. So let us cling to the word of God. What really at stake is our eternal life. Let us conclude with a brief reading from Zechariah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall yet come even the inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one city shall go to another saying, let us go at once to entreat the favor of the Lord and to seek the Lord of hosts. I myself am going. Many people, many peoples and strong nations shall seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to entreat the favor of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts. In those days, 10 men from the nations of every town shall take hold of the robe of a Jew, of the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go, let us go with you. For we heard, for we have heard that God is with you. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God is with you. This is our distinct identity. Look forward to the day when people will take hold of your role, saying, let us go with you, even to your church, Grace Presbyterian, 
For we have heard that God is with you. Let us pray. 